this evening comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. Uh, we've been doing a little Advent series as sort of a spin-off of the series we did this fall entitled, We Are His, looking at what it means, what these gospel principles are for uh, life and our relationships and uh, living together in the family of God. And during Advent, we've been considering how some of those principles have worked themselves out in the family of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here we turn our attention to this account of Mary's visit with her relative Elizabeth. In Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45, this is God's word. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is God's word. Let's pray that he would teach us tonight. Heavenly Father, cause our hearts to leap for joy as you exalt Christ before us, and that we might know his blessing, that we might know his sure promises. We ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a season with a lot of stillness in it, at least if you listen to the songs. We don't like stillness as a culture. We busy ourselves about. But in this season, things slow down, kids get out of school, our routines are interrupted, we go to church, we visit family, we maybe even take time to reflect Or we fill all of that space with more and more busyness, wrapping presents because we're afraid of what might happen in the stillness. For whatever reason, I don't know, the winter storm or whatever, the past two days our power has been going in and out, and today it just went out. So whatever it was I had planned to do, we didn't do, and I just wrapped up in a blanket and sat there and thought. I don't like to do that. And movies, they use silence and stillness to build up the tension and suspense. When things go quiet for me and just things are still, like my mind starts going, what should I be worrying about right now? Sometimes we just live in those quiet moments waiting in fear for the other shoe to drop, whatever that other shoe might be. But the thing is that These times of stillness ought to be times where we connect with great joy. And this passage gives us a glimpse of how that can be. Because what we see is in this little episode, this little tiny moment of stillness, two women, two relatives greeting one another in the doorway. 
just this simple, tiny affair, we get an opportunity to see how God's blessing overflows to his people. And so, my hope is that we will be able to learn how in this season, when these moments of stillness arise, we don't have to busy ourselves with something. We don't have to to rush off and do another thing. We don't have to, to turn Siri or Alexa back on so that the the silence is filled with sounds of music or whatever, we can actually stop and reflect and see the very blessing of God and rejoice in it. We're going to just consider two things quickly tonight. One, in these moments of stillness and silence, what would the world have us see? And in these moments of stillness and silence, what do we does Elizabeth see and what can we learn from her? So the first thing I want you to see is that the world doesn't really enjoy stillness. We exalt the city that never sleeps. We fill every moment with first shift, second shift, third shift. We don't want the work to end. And the world of Mary and Elizabeth's time, while not filled with all the electronics of our day, still had this sense that there was always something going on. You read that it's introduced in those days. In those days, there was a lot going on. Rome had conquered the entire known world and took delight in oppressing all their vassal states. And the Jewish people especially just suffered under this oppression. It caused them to question themselves. It caused them to question their purpose. It caused them to question God's love and care for them, that he would allow this outside, vicious, godless power to crush them. There were busybodies in this world. And here is poor Mary who has found herself pregnant, not through any immorality, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, which is not a story that the town gossips are likely to buy. And she's traveled alone here to wait out this pregnancy in isolation with her relative Elizabeth, who has also received some stunning word that this woman who was once barren, now in her old age, has found herself pregnant. And if the the burden of pregnancy wasn't enough, if the stigma of being pregnant outside of marriage in this world and even in ours wasn't enough, traveling alone on these dark uh, country roads, if, if that wasn't enough to cause you to worry at every step of the way, can you imagine being in the shoes of these two ladies? All of the fears, all of the worries... How am I going to care for a child in my own age, old age? What what does it mean that the Holy Spirit has chosen me to give birth to, to the Lord? Like what is going on in their hearts and their minds? Can they find any rest? Can they find any stillness? Can they find any solace? What's interesting about this passage is that there is very little detail. There's no specific time given, no specific place other than at Zechariah's house. We don't know 
the time of day. We just know it's a hill country and a town of Judah, which is not a small area. There's no focus here. It's not like you would tell a story in a novel or tell a story in a movie. You know, they would say the date, the city, you know, set the scene so that you would know all of these things. But Luke doesn't do any of that for us. He just leaves it all vague and general on purpose to leave us wondering, what, where is the focus? What should we be worrying about? What should we be considering? And what you see is these two women, as they come together and greet one another, they bring together these two narrative threads in the earlier sections of this chapter of Luke, where Elizabeth, this woman who was once barren by the miraculous power of God, is is able to conceive, and she's awaiting a son who will be a great prophet to prepare the way of the Lord. And this little poor Jewish girl found herself greeted by an angel and given the the blessing of, of carrying our Lord and Savior. And in these two stories, they're brought together here And the focus in that that meeting isn't Mary, isn't Elizabeth. It's what the Lord is doing. It's how the Lord has brought them together and how he is bringing blessing. Look at what Elizabeth says. Granted, she, she just pronounces how blessed Mary must be. But why should the mother of my Lord come to me? She, clearly they've communicated. This is no secret. Elizabeth knows what's going on, but she's believed. She hasn't listened to the town gossips. She hasn't bought in to the stigma. She recognizes that her Lord in embryonic form is before her. That is a great source of joy that even her own child recognizes as he leaps The focus here is on what the Lord has been up to, how he has been at work, and what he is bringing to bear. All too often, the world would have us busy ourselves with so many things that we would lose sight. What is God doing? Sometimes we look at people, our children, our spouses, our neighbors, and we only see how they are for good or for ill. And maybe we grumble and complain about it. Maybe we withdraw and avoid, but we we are only focused on how they are. And we don't, we struggle to have eyes to see what God is working in them. What are they going to be? What is he able to make them? All too often, in these moments of silence, we become acutely aware of how isolated and alone we really are. News report after news report after news report speaks of the the epidemic of loneliness that already existed before the pandemic, which was only heightened and, and accelerated during that time of isolation. And even now, And the holidays, which should be a time of joy and celebration, too many of us 
are just acutely aware of how disconnected we are from others, from God. Even in the church, when we buy into this world's way of thinking, we are apt to see a world in decline. Everything's going badly, and there's nothing for us to do but despair. And if we look at the world this way, these moments of stillness, these moments of silence, of quiet, will become oppressive, will become badges of shame and stigma. They will become moments that we will avoid at every expense because we don't want to have to bear the weight of our loneliness, of our despair, of our frustration with those around us. But Elizabeth sees something completely different. Elizabeth has eyes to see that God is at work. And it's not out of her own ingenuity or intelligence or skill. It, again, comes at the hand of God. For it says that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke these words. God didn't leave his people wondering what he was up to trying to guess why would he have us endure these things. God reveals, even through these humble women, even through you and me, he is at work doing incredible things. I read somewhere, you can read commentaries and commentaries and commentaries on this passage, and and you'll read all these little Intricate details about this, that, and the other, and the grammar, and blah, blah, blah. But, but nobody seemed to really take notice that, that the God of all the cosmos has revealed to two Israelite women his plans to overthrow all the kingdoms of the world. Right? This is where the revolution started, right? in this unknown town, in this unknown place, with these two powerless, sidelined women. God was able to even use them to bring about his glorious plans and purposes. They were not sidelined in his eyes. They were not powerless according to his measure. He was able to use them to bring forth the greatest prophet the world has ever seen. And the very incarnate son of God. And so what Elizabeth sees in this moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, as her baby is leapt in her womb, is blessing after blessing after blessing that has come from the hand of God. Blessed are you among women, Mary, not because of what you have done, but because of what God has done to you. Blessed are you that you believed this message and that God would fulfill it. And that message that he promised is a, is a message of blessing, peace on earth, goodwill to men. That God plans to bring this blessing not just to Mary, not just to Elizabeth, but to see it spread to all the nations to fulfill the promise he made to Abraham. 
he would bless the earth through those who are called by his name. And what we find here is that blessing comes not according to our stature. He didn't give it to Caesar. He didn't give it to Herod. He didn't give it to the rich men of that day. That blessing comes through faith by the grace of God. This is how he works. This is how he's always worked. This is how he is still working today. That he comes to people not because of their greatness, but because of his. And he's able to pour out blessing upon them no matter where they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what burdens they bear, no matter what's going on in the world around them, no matter what, he is able to bring blessing upon them because of his great power, because of his great grace. And all he asks of us is that we would believe that he is able to do what he says he can do. That we would believe that he is able to come to take on flesh so that, and, and come in the person of Jesus, not just as a great teacher or a great leader or a holy person, but as God made man. That we would believe that, that he spoke words of truth and lived in perfect righteousness. That we would believe that when he died on the cross, it wasn't by accident, but his very purpose, that he would bear in his body the sins and shame of his people. That in taking humiliation upon himself, we would not have to bear that humiliation before God, but could stand before God, the creator of the universe covered in the very righteousness of Christ. Not because of anything we've done, but because we believed that when God said it was so, it was. And even now, in these still moments, he calls on us to believe that he is coming again to set all things right. And in the meantime, he's at work bringing people to himself, showing sinners his grace, bringing healing where there is brokenness and redemption where there is oppression and sin. Do you have eyes to see it? Here's my challenge for you. All too often, when we buy into the way the world thinks, what we're doing is we're just retreating into ourselves. And we're just thinking about how it's going for us. But here, here's the challenge for you. In the coming days, in the coming weeks, find somebody at church. Grab coffee with them. Have them over to your house for dinner. Whatever. And just ask them to tell you their story. How did you come to know Christ? And, and what is he teaching you now? 
Those two questions, those are basically the only two questions I ever ask in a membership commission. When somebody joins the church, we have a bunch of other questions we have to ask because there's a book of church order and we're Presbyterians and all that. But the, only, the two questions I want to ask more than any other are, how did you come to know him? And what is he teaching you now? And we hear story after story after story of God's incredible blessing. What would it be like for us to learn, to have eyes to see it? To connect with one another and share our stories, to bear up under one another's burdens and to rejoice in the triumphs that God has given us. In the stillness tonight, when things are calm and quiet, if things ever get calm and quiet in your house, take a moment And seek the Lord and ask him to give you eyes to see how he is bringing his blessing to bear in this world. And how he might give you strength to believe it. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we have read in the Gospels how you have done an incredible thing. That you came from where you were in glory to be where we are. That we might know your light. That we might know your grace. That we might know your power and blessing. And all too often, we don't have eyes to see it. We get distracted. We get distracted with our own desires. We get distracted with our own greed. We get distracted with our own problems. And we don't know what, it is, what is it that you are doing? What is it you are calling us to be a part of? Help us in this moment, O oh Lord, to be revived and renewed in you, that we might have eyes to see the blessing and glory and grace of our God. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.